The Money Podcast by best-selling author of Money, Rob Moore, dives into how to make, manage, and master money. How to know more, make more, and give more. How to save, invest, and raise money. The Money Podcast is for anyone who wants to make more money in a job, profession, or passion. For money masters and money disasters. They say money doesn't make you happy. Rob says it does. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and I'm with Mark Homer. And this is part four in our How to Invest series. We've done how to invest 5,000, how to invest 10,000, how to invest 25,000. Today, we're doing how to invest 50,000, then it'll be 100,000. We might keep going a bit more money, who knows? Uh, So let's start with how to invest 50,000 pounds. Now, of course, remember, do your own due diligence and research. This is our experience of me, what, 14, 15 years of investing experience, Mark, probably nearly quarter of a century um, I figured this out today, Mark. Um, uh, were you born in 1980? I was. Yeah, so you've been alive five centuries, even though you're, what, 40. I've been alive six centuries. 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 2020s. And I'm only 41. Six centuries. I've been alive in six different centuries. Six decades. That's it. Six centuries. <laughs> Should we fucking start again? <laughs> six decades, yeah. Um, right, Mark, how would you invest, invest, invest 50 grand? Okay, so 50 grand gets really interesting for me. Um, I this, this is really simple. And this, to be honest, I think of all time, this has probably been my favorite strategy. Um, I would just go and buy a freehold house. Um, I would probably go and view, I don't know, in excess of 50 properties. I'd meet every agent. I'd make friends with every agent. I'd have drinks with every agent. I'd get out leafleting. Um, and I would just get to know all of the low-end properties in my town. Um, so I'd buy that. I'd get it cheap. I'd maybe spend 10 grand on a refurb, 25% deposit. That'd be about 40 grand, something like that. And then I'd get it revalued at 170, and I'd sort of roughly get my money back. And then I would roll that over, try and do it again and again. Maybe it'd take six to nine months for each property. I would keep doing it. I think the sort of um, net return you're going to get off an investment like that, when you take into account the leverage, uh, would be somewhere in the region. You know, it, it depends on sort of your how much market growth there is. But let's say there's five percent, and let's say you know there's a good sort of yield on the property, you'd easily be getting fifteen percent return on capital invested, um, even if you left the deposit in. If you've got no deposit left in it, it becomes infinite. Um, or I would turn that into a HMO property um, and uh, get an even bigger income and and maybe get 15 or 20% um, net income just on the the sort of income versus equity left in portion uh, and then the capital growth on on top. So you're easily capital and income together with HMO, you could be getting over 20% on a single let, you could be easily getting 15% uh, return on equity. i I don't think there's a lot that's better in terms of net return because once it's up and running, the thing isn't going to require that much work and it's going to keep paying you. And Rob and I have still got the properties that we bought uh, in, I think we started 05, 06, 06, I think it was. Uh, We haven't sold them. We've just kept them rolling. And all I do is just titivate, manage them a little bit, you know, maybe... Uh, do a bit of a remortgage every now and again, um, and um, you know the equity keeps on growing. Even in the last year, all the way through COVID and breakfast, just in, in the last year, uh, t- 
10% growth again. Um, I think when we started buying, they were maybe 80, 90 grand. They're all 150, 160 now. Um, and uh, I think they rented at the time at 450. Now they rent at 750. Um, why is that not going to happen again? I think it probably will. Uh, I think negative interest rates, I think quantitative easing, debasing the currency, um, you know, as sterling over time devalues through inflation, especially through, you know, as you know, the, they, they effectively create more money, increase the money supply because of um, the, the easing that's going on, uh, primarily because of COVID and because of Brexit at the moment. Um, you're going to find that that actually devalues mortgages or, or as it devalues sterling, as it devalues the currency um, and the, the currency inflates, um, the real value of the mortgages on your properties um, are going to go down. Uh, and so even if in real terms the properties don't go up in value, they just go up at the rate in, of inflation, you're still going to be making money um, through the equity uh, and then there's the income on top. I really don't know uh, a better, uh, more predictable uh, way of making consistent returns over the long term. I'm really uh, very clear and passionate about that. A lot of the other stuff Rob and I talk about with the cars and the watches and the and the, the, the sort of gold and all that, I think they're great and I do them. Uh, I don't think any of them provide returns that are anything like um, that strategy I've just mentioned. Um, and um, yeah, they're more of a hedge and they provide utility. They provide, you know, sort of enjoyment. Uh, I think even if you're in the stock market, you may be getting six, seven, eight, eight percent, something like that. Um, I just don't think you're getting 15 to 20 consistently. Uh, and you can get a lot more than that if you buy the right properties and um, BRR them, as some people like to call it, or, or maybe you know go a bit go a bit harder and, and, and develop them. But you've you've really got to keep that money rolling over so you can keep expanding the portfolio. I love the leverage. Is that enough money to start getting into a small commercial kind of property? Do you reckon? I suppose it probably is. Um, you could maybe go and buy a, a little 200 grander. Would I want to go and buy a little shop? Certainly early doors, you know, if you're less experienced, I don't think it, it, it would be the best place to start. I think it takes experience. I think the, the key challenge with that strategy is you need to leave more cash in. Um, generally speaking, commercial mortgages, 60% loan to value maximum. Um, there are instances where you can go a bit higher, but it is very difficult. Generally, it's 60%. Um, so you're going to have to get a very, very good tenant, <clears throat> you know, uplift or, or do a, a very clever development deal or something like that to, to get that 40% equity back out and, and roll it over again. Um, you know, it, probably 45% after your cost. So, you know, but with a residential property, you can leverage it up to 75%. Uh, so it's a lot easier to, to roll that money over. Um, you, you know, you need to buy it cheap. You need to be able to buy it, make money out of it on day one. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's a lot easier. So I think, yes, some commercial might be good. Yes, you can probably get in at, at that money. I think it takes a lot more experience. Um, <clears throat> you know, voids, empty property rates, um, <clears throat> you know, can be more of a challenge with commercial. Great once you, you know, you, you get into it and you sort of buy properties based on the tenants that you've got sort of in your little file of facts. You, you know, you have a tenant ready for property, you know, you know, you can sort of um, source deals based on the, the, the tenants that you, you've got ready to move in. I think that that can be a very good strategy. But 
I think you're leaving a lot more cash in. And, you know, honestly, maybe the yields are higher and maybe you've got less costs and, let, you know, the gross to net with commercial, as long as it's sort of let, it is, 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 is better. But um, I, I just, you know, the values of retail, um, certainly in the last 10, 15 years, just seems to have gone down and down the capital values, um, you know, and even longer than that. Um, and, and industrial, yeah, it's doing quite well at the moment, but um, often the capital value goes sideways and, and can depreciate as the, as, the, um, as the tenancy gets shorter and shorter until you get a, a new tenant in who signs a long lease. Mark, is there an argument that 50 grand you can start to, to diversify a bit of the money with the five grand series, the 10 grand series? Can't really diversify that money, can you? Because it's not enough. But can you with 50? Could you put it in more than one class? Yeah, and that's why I've probably perked up a bit and I, I find it a little bit more exciting because <laughs> um, I know more sort of what to do uh, at that level. Um, you could buy some very cheap properties, maybe get, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 grand stuff. Um, you know, may, maybe further north, although don't buy in areas where the population is getting smaller, because I think that's a surefire way for, for, for properties not to go up or, or possibly to go down. So you need a, a sort of expanding area where lots of people are moving in. Um, but, you know, buy cheaper properties. That's going to leave you some money left over. Uh, and then you can start putting it into some other areas to diversify it, uh, which could be the Vanguard stuff or the Hargreaves, Lansdowne, sort of ISA stuff. Um, your own home, I, this, you know, there's not a lot better than buying your own home, getting something really cheap, um, you know, getting your own home, paying leverage. I'd, I'd apply plenty of leverage to it, um, you know, may, maybe get up to sort of 70, 80%, get a residential mortgage if you can at one and a half, two percent Don't pay capital gains tax because you don't need to. Um, I, I think it's a wonderful thing, owning, owning your own home. And I think it's a, a gift uh, that you don't have to pay capital gains tax on what the about, on the profits. But what about all these Americans who are saying you should never buy your only home, your own home? You should only rent, and then a lot of these sort of English people copying them and getting big flashy rentals, but not even owning anything. Well, Rob, you know me. I, <laughs> Come on, say I, it. I, say what you think. I just speak my mind, mate, yeah. and um, I I don't think they're right. Um, you know, I I've owned my own home. I think since '05. I think I had. I don't know how many rental, I had stacks of rental properties before um, I actually owned my own home. Uh, but ever since, I've done very well. Uh, I've made money out of the equity. I've done works to those properties, um, you know, and, 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 and always bought well in, in good areas. Um, and, um, you know, the capital values have gone up and I'm not paying capital gains tax. In fact, I rented out, I rented out one of them I've still got. And the other one, Gemma and I did it together. In fact, it was an office. And we converted it and we moved into it uh, and we didn't pay a penny in capital gains tax because we lived in it. Uh, and then we sold it and we moved out and we've done the same again on the one we live in now. But we're going to stay longer because we're fed up of moving and, um, and it's living quite in a building site. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite an upheaval. Um, no, I think it's a, a wonderful benefit of, um, you know, the, uh, owning your own home I, and um, no, I don't agree with these Americans. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, the American market is different, isn't it? It's completely fair. different. Yeah. And, you know, this is the thing. Lots of people listen to this stuff and then they try and sort of it gets taken out of context. They try and transplant it into a market um, over here that um, is completely different. The taxation environment is different. The, um, you know, the, the, the way in which you 
sort of make money and the yields and the costs and everything is different. So different ingredients bake a different cakes and you have a, a different conclusion. So um, yeah, I know less about that market, but I, I know plenty about this market and I think it's great to buy your own home. Why would you not want to borrow money at one and a half percent? You know, it, it, it's beyond me um, because you could easily put that money as we're discussing during during this um, series, you can easily put that money to work and earn six, seven, eight percent, um, or go out and buy a little rental property and earn fifteen. So mm, yeah. why wouldn't you borrow one and a half to put it over there and make a net thirteen and a half? Mm. <laughs> so uh, fifty grand, and then next time seventy five, one hundred, one hundred and fifty, two hundred grand, whatever we get into in the series. Are you now thinking about maxing your ISA every year? Yes, myself. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're in this situation where yeah. you had 50 grand or you had 100 grand in these scenarios we're doing in this series, yes. are you going to look to max your ISA every year? 20 grand every year, yeah. straight in, yeah. yeah, because you lose it. If it doesn't go in, if you don't put that 20 grand in, it is not there for you next year. Yes, you get next year's allowance, but you lose last year's allowance. So every year of your life that you don't use the ISA allowance, the 20 grand or whatever it becomes because it does grow, mm. Um, you've lost it forever. Um, and any money you invest and you hold, um, you know, investments, um, you, um, you know, any money, any money you put in and you hold sort of shares or, 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 or um, funds, all the income and capital gains from those that have been bought within a nice wrapper are tax-free for life. So with this kind of money, how many different, stocks and shares or um how how much would you diversify that money if you were putting all or some of it in the stock market well 20 grand i mean if or, you or were 50 going, grand uh, yeah okay 50 mm. grand um i don't know you if you were going to buy individual shares i'd say you want to own at least 10 15 different equities um it's probably it's definitely not a good idea to put them all in one or two companies companies go bust uh, and you will lose money um or you could make money, but the risk is, is, is much increased. That's why a lot of people would just put it into um, tracker funds, maybe some Vanguard funds or, you know, I, I don't know. If, did I read some out last time? Yeah, you did, but uh, do it again. Yeah, I'll while, do it again. While you're getting that um, up, um, we mentioned in the 20 grand series, you're nearly at sort of Rolex Daytona level, 50 grand. You're definitely at Rolex Daytona level. Um, you might even be nearly at a gold Rolex Daytona, not by metal, but a gold Rolex Daytona. But it, at the moment, in the 20s, you're going to get a, a newish Rolex Daytona. Um, probably in the late teens, you might get a slightly older one. Um, so, yeah, that's um, I've never seen a watch more predictable in terms of holding its value or creeping up over time than a Rolex Daytona. I've seen other watches go up more if they're more limited or exclusive or rare. And I think the most expensive Rolex, I think yours. I might have get, got my number slightly wrong here, but I think it was around about 10 million for the for Paul Newman owned Paul Newman Rolex Daytona. So <laughs> that might be the ceiling of what they can go to. Um, you're also at 50 grand. You're in um, Nor uh, Patek Philippe Nautilus territory, yeah. <laughs> but only just right in. They've gone up crazy Ooh, money. Don't talk about those, Rob. No, no. we um, It's a bit painful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't lose on them, though. No, no, no. I, but you know what I'm like. Yeah. I, I never get excited about the, the, the winners. I just get upset about the yeah, losses. That's a good point. <laughs> that's how yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Yeah, that is a yeah. good point. Um, 
Okay, so <laughs> I get far more upset about losing money than I yeah. do about, yeah. But you made um, money on that one, didn't I know, you? I know, it's just I that did, you could yeah. have made more. Yeah. Well, a lot more, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, yes. Uh, Back to good stock funds, shares. Yeah. stock shares. These are actually funds, they're tracker funds. Uh, here's some good ones. Uh, if you need a tracker portfolio, Hargreaves lands down. You can create one in there, or you can create one in uh, Vanguard. Um, but iShares Emerging Markets Equity Index, Class H accumulation, great. iShares Specific um, X Japan Equity Index, Class H accumulation. Vanguard FTSE UK All Share Index accumulation, and Vanguard FTSE 100 Index accumulation. Uh, and also Legal in General UK Index Class C accumulation. So they are great sort of um, diversified tracker funds. The title will let you sort of decipher what market they're going into, whether it's UK or international or US. Um, very low fees, spread across loads and loads of sort of often blue chip, very good companies. A few bonds in there, maybe. Um, but um, I think, you know, that's a good way. That's probably the best place to put your ISA. Mm. Uh, with 50 grand, you definitely have enough money to start a business. I mean, we were talking about starting your business on five grand when we did the first series. And um, I don't know if you remember, Mark and I told the story where we set up progressive property. We went down to Ikea, bought some furniture, got a couple of secondhand cheap computers set up in my little dining room in my house, put 300 quid each in the bank. And that was the start of our company. So probably for less than 1500 quid all in um you, you know we founded our company even with the sort of administrative incorporation costs which i don't think are very much at the moment anyway um so certainly with 50 grand you've got enough money for uh, a decent marketing spend sometimes i worry when people have a fair bit of money they rely on the money more than the sweat so what do you think about that mark i mean if you and i had had half a million quid each to put into Progressive at the start, and we didn't bootstrap it, we probably would have wasted a lot of that money. We just sprayed it all around (laughs) Google AdWords. Facebook was sort of just emerging back then, and and we'd have wasted it on telephone systems and printers. and New computers. Mind you. Or you wouldn't have. I don't know. I got upset, (laughs) wouldn't I? And then just gone, no, there's no money. We've (laughs) got to make it out of sweat. And tears and, and toil. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, when you have more money, you naturally do rely on money of, rather of than do. creativity, of don't you? Of course you do. And uh, that's why yeah. when you, you don't have a lot, you can create even higher rates of return because you really need to do it and you just, you, you know, you make it happen. You mm. put your back into it. I remember when I started our Google AdWords campaigns, because you remember Lyndon taught me how to do it and he was managing all of our websites. We met him at the Peterborough Business Club, Lyndon Wright, still a friend today. And he taught me Google AdWords. And because we didn't have a lot of money, I was painstakingly starting up a new ad campaign on every single keyword because you could do broad keywords and you could have one ad for 100 keywords. But I was an ad, uh, an ad for every single keyword maximizing the the cost per opt-in and i think what point we were back then we we're paying two pound and two pound fifty for an opt-in and we'd be able to spend 10 pounds a day or something like that um until we sort of started to get this decent amount of lead volume and then sold some deals and then fed it back into um google ads but with google ads and amazon ads and facebook ads and youtube ads perry marshall yeah perry marshall's handbook his google adwords yeah. handbook yeah i learned a lot from that 
That was um, your Bible. It Rob. was my Bible. Yeah. yeah, I learned a few cheeky strategies from that. <laughs> <laughs> they were cheeky. Oh, yeah. God, I remember those people on the phone. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that, that, <laughs> that's for another video. <laughs> um, yeah, so just be mindful if you're going to grow your business. And um, with 50 grand, you probably, I mean, unless you need machinery, plant, you know, stock, um, premises, etc. Obviously, you may need a loan from the bank, but um, you don't need to with the internet and Shopify and Amazon. I'd certainly consider setting an e-commerce business up with, if you're at the five grand, the 10 grand, the 25 grand or the 50 grand level from our last four videos in the series because you've got a lot of leverage and you haven't got a lot of overhead. Um, but if you are going to invest that money into marketing, invest it into direct response marketing, ideally, where you get leads for your business. It's very easy to spend money. I know someone who's just started his business um, and he spent 25 grand on one podcast guest. Mm. I'm not sure. I mean, how many leads, Harry, how many um, Google AdWords leads could we get? I mean, do you want to do the math? 25 divided by five pounds or well, 25,000 divided by five pounds. What is 25,000 pounds? Yeah. Divided by five, five. 000. Yeah. So if we could get 5,000 leads on Google yeah. for 25 grand yeah. and he paid one podcast guest 25 grand mm. and I don't know. He might have got a couple of leads if he was lucky. Who knows? Mm. But um, podcasting isn't direct response, is it? It's not like you get uh, opt-ins into your uh, inbox. So, yeah, just be careful um, when you're spending money on marketing and, and ads not to just spray it around the place and to make sure that you're maximizing your ad campaigns. Just a little bit of a friendly word of warning there because um, we have – I mean. Sometimes our um, ad costs are in the hundreds of thousands a month. I think I've seen a £250,000 month. Um, on marketing of ours in, in ad campaigns before, but I'm still reading reports all the time, seeing that that's, that campaign is at £5 a lead, that campaign is at £8 a lead, that campaign is at £10 a lead. Um, so we're not just throwing money all over the place. All right, anything else, Mark? If you had 50 grand um, anywhere else, you might think of investing it. Um, you could get a pagoda. No, you really could get one at, at this level. Yeah. And, um, I've been chipping away on one. Um, and You um, like it to take a long time, don't you? Yeah, I mean, he's having none of it, which, <laughs> which basically tells me if it comes for this money, it's, it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, uh, it'd be a 60s Mercedes. Um, I think the 280SL would be great. Obviously, right-hand drive would be brilliant. Quite uh, unlikely at that money, but you'd probably get a left-hand drive or maybe a, two, a 250 or a 230 um you know sort of pretty good condition um probably go up over time um and and probably and certainly something that looks amazing uh and um you know something you could really enjoy driving um 50 grand what else could you do you could start lending it um with a first charge or at least a second charge to property investors um i i that that could be quite good you could get some very high rates of return with that with 50 grand, would you leave a little bit aside as a contingency? I certainly know? would. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably leave five, 10 grand aside. Yeah. Depending on what I'm doing, what my mortgages are, what other commitments I've got. Have I got kids? You know, what else have I got to, you know, need to spend my money on? But mm. yeah, five or 10 in cash. Yeah. All right. Great. Um, I think we've covered it. Uh, we've talked a little bit about watches, but of course, we talked about them in previous. Um, episodes. We've talked a bit about the cars. I mean, we did list a few cars last time. 
can, can you get a Ferrari for 50 grand nowadays? Is there anything yeah. you can get? You get 360? Yeah, I think you, uh, maybe 355. Yeah. Um, you you might end up with a nail. Yeah. Um, one, well, we have. <laughs> yeah. We haven't got a nail now, though. No, yeah, no we've got a good one now. Yeah. 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 But we've uh, got a lot of, I, yeah, I think we go. we've got a lot of value out there. So you get a 348, uh, which is probably not, you know, not a bad thing. Yeah, there's 360s on here. Um, there's 360s advertised at 55. If you went really hard at one of these, um, on, yeah, you get a 348 or a, th a 360. Seems to be those two models. Mm. Um, Some of those may be high mileage. And uh, I think they are, well, mm. 35,000 or a 430. Yeah. Yeah. Many happy memories, Rob. Yeah, it was great. Loved that car. Yeah. We got, we got, I don't know, I had a lot of miles. We put a lot of miles on that, didn't we, in the end? Uh, yes. Mm. Many happy memories. <laughs> I think one of them was, was, we might have been in the West Midlands. Was it the NE or Birmingham? And you got towed out of there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, I just, you ended up getting towed out of, where uh, was it? Out of um, a hotel? Or was it me that got towed out of a hotel? We, yeah, we had a few breakdowns. It was that, there. and then the pierce de resistance was <laughs> when it gave up in a multi-story car park, it expired, and I had to get <laughs> towed out of a multi-story car park. Yeah. Um, yeah, something like Luton, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. let's not talk about the 458, shall we? Let, let's talk about that. That was a reliable day. car, Rob. That was, That yeah. was a good car. Yeah. No thanks to me. Yeah. <laughs> That that was there was nothing wrong with that car. It was yeah. just user error that sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah, user error. impacted the performance of that machine. Uh, <laughs> right. Have we got any questions, Harry? If we have, we'll take them. If not, we're um, we'll talk about the next episode, which is going to be um, how to invest a hundred grand. So you might see an even more excited Mark next month or next week. Um, Monday, seven pm at the moment. I might change the time, but we'll see. Um, but for now, we'll keep it Monday, seven pm. Um, you look confused. No. Monday, 7 p.m. Um, yeah. All right, yeah, if we've got any. So this is from Gerardo. Do you work your true yield as return investment, own cash put in, and what yield do you look for? Okay, so to me, I, I'm, I'm, I use gross yield. If I'm looking at a single let, I would look at gross yield as a means of comparison between sort of properties. So I just take a broad brush, annual rent divided by the purchase price and refurb. So I just work that out and it might be five, six, seven percent, something like that. But the, the number that bothers me the most is my return on equity. So can I then remortgage that property? Can I get all my money out? Or if I leave five or 10 grand in, how much am I going to make every year, net, 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 after everything, as a percentage of what is left in the property? That to me, is the most important metric. Um, now, I know this strategy creates a very high return on equity or return on capital investors, ROCE is another way to put it. Um, but when I'm looking property to property, what helps me compare which property may be better um, from an income point of view um, would be gross yield. Thank you, Gerardo. So this is from Carol, Carol Boskert. My sister and I are buying our first property. 
and we're going to rent it out, but buy outside of London. Is there anywhere or person I can find for the best areas to buy? Well, Peterborough is terrible. Um, <laughs> there's nothing around here. Nothing to um, see here. Please move see, along. So move on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, a lot of the Midlands I like um, because I think there's a nice sort of um, relationship there between yield. I think the yields can be very good. Certainly Peterborough, they're great. Uh, but, you know, growing populations um, and, um, you know, they're not building lots of properties. Uh, well, they are building lots of properties, but maybe not keeping up with the demand, which keeps capital growth, um, you know, rolling, keep, keeps the, the properties going up. And still, you know, be, there's still a lot of sort of relatively cheap stock. A lot of the stuff we've got, people go, oh, it's gone up loads and, you know, can't get them for that. But you still can't build them for largely what they're worth so or, or you can only just build them for that so are they really that expensive i'm not sure they are um so yeah uh wellingborough corby we like um you know if you you you, you carried on uh maybe northampton uh leicester the stuff in nottingham i love all those sorts of places um i think there are lots of good yielding uh lots of tenant demand uh, and good capital growth Thanks, Mark. Anyone else with any questions? So Gerardo again, £50,000 would be sufficient to put as a deposit on a residential property, but probably not, not enough for a commercial property investment in decent locations. Maybe yeah, true. Yeah, I think Mark did say it'd be a low-end one. Um, yeah, maybe in the next episode of the series, how to invest. I think we'll probably jump to 100 grand, Harry, do you think, for the next episode? Yeah, no point going to yeah. 75. We'll go to 100, make on, it more exciting. On that commercial one, you might get a... Uh, you know, a sort of taxi cab office in Grimsby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for 35 pence. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll do in the how to invest £100,000 for the best return. We'll probably cover commercial property a bit more. Obviously, as well, we're trying to keep these as varied as possible, even though there are some common threads and we're for referring back to previous episodes. All right, we all good then, Harry? Oh, ping them in then. Let's have the question. So this is John. Can't get buy-to-let mortgages in a commercial SPV limited company in Northern Ireland. Any suggestions, Mark? Unfortunately, um, I haven't. Um, I Move. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I did speak to some, I think Rob's hit the nail on the head. I did speak to some mentees last week and they just said, you know what, we've had enough. And um, I think they'd done a bit in Northern Ireland. They were mainly doing stuff in Southern Ireland, which I've heard numerous times recently there's only about a couple of banks lending uh and most of them just say it's easier just to get on Ryanair and just come over here thanks john this is from peter meek mark will be very perky when you get to one million then if fifty thousand pounds is this exciting i don't know you well, have got excited this yeah, one 50 grand you is are good. this is the most excited episode yeah. you've been actually yeah i, I will say we're that. getting to the sweet spot <laughs> All right, next then, another one from Gerardo. Thanks for the questions coming in, Gerardo. Best way to raise equity for a deposit um, is if you have the equity in your home. Rates are cheap and you can take the loan over a much longer term than with traditional commercial lending. This is true. Yeah, it is. It is true. Um, yeah, very, very cheap right now. Um, yeah, and, and obviously it's, you're not really leveraging um, money sat in your own home. So as long as you don't put yourself under financial stress, um, you can certainly use that money. I remortgaged my only house I had in 2006, and that helped me get on the property ladder. Uh, obviously, did some other things like joint ventures. 
Um, but yeah, definitely a good way to use that money as long as you invest it wisely. All right, from Peter, do you invest on crowdfunding websites? No. No, I didn't um, need to read the second part. Because... No. Um, no, I mean, I, I haven't. Uh, I've heard plenty of stories. Uh, I think the losses are mounting up. Um, you know, if I was going to lend money on property deals, I'd want to see the property deal, know the person, uh, and probably get all the legals done myself for this solicitor that I was happy with. Um, may do some of that lending in the future, um, but probably not through crowdfunding websites for those reasons. And when you have money to invest in property, you tend to lend it to yourself, don't you? You buy it for yourself. Certainly have done in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose you've either got to have a load of money to have more property than you can buy yourself and lend out, or not really now to invest in property yourself. But of course, that's um, a couple of potential scenarios. All right, next. Last one is more of a statement, but oh. it'd be interesting to see whether you guys agree with it. Oh, so from Tom Banks, love the car chat, but as a Ferrari owner, I can tell you they're complete money pits and not investments unless they're super special and super expensive. Um, I think it depends which one you get, and I think it depends how much you drive it, i.e. don't drive it if you want it to go up. And I think, yeah, a lot of them, especially the high mileage ones, I think they are money pits. I'd agree well, with that. Well, do you know what? The last, we, we're on our third Ferrari um, and it's it's been okay. But the last two previous to that were absolutely not money pits. Um, the the 458, I think it cost us one, was it high 160s? Yeah. I think it was right, high 160s. And I think we sold it at around 150 something like that yeah we did all right um, considering we used it a lot seven year service plan bit of maintenance uh really really good dropped a little bit kept it three years bit of interest cheap as chips really for what it was um and the one before that i think we gave 68 the, the 430 got low 60s back after three or four years did a horrendous amount of miles in it um we did have part of a gearbox which upset me somewhat um, but other than that, very good. Um, a lot cheaper than an Aventador. <laughs> <laughs> As we know. Yeah. Um, I think if you buy, if we'd have bought those models new, we'd have lost a lot of money, wouldn't we? I, I, yeah. it, it, absolutely. No question. Uh, I mean, if you've gone and bought a 488 at 250 grand, you, you know, when we were maybe looking at ours, I don't know, three, two, three years ago, something like that. What would that be now? One, one seventy, yeah. one, one sixty. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think it's all about what you buy, how old it is, how well you buy it, um, yeah. what the maintenance is is you know going to be on that, where you get it maintained. Uh, I think if you do all that stuff right, um, you can have some pretty good motoring uh, for not a lot of money, or maybe if it's a classic, you might make money. Mm. All right, thanks, Mark. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. So if you're watching, make sure you subscribe to this channel. Um, and we're doing a weekly series. We've done how to invest five grand, how to invest 10 grand, how to invest 25 grand. This has been how to invest 50 grand. Um, next Monday, 7 p.m., how to invest 100 grand, then 250. Then, and we'll see where we get to. We're also going to do a how to invest with little or none of your own money as well, how to start up on a shoestring investing in property and starting your business and um, bootstrapping it. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Mark.